Uh, this is Tim Westergren, the founder of Pandora. Hi, Jay. This is Thomas Parrott from London, England. Hi, Jay. How are you? It's Mark Mitchell from New Jersey. Hi, Jay. This is Brad Anderson. Hey, Jay. It's Mitch Joel calling from Six Pixels of Separation, the Twisty Mass podcast from beautiful Montreal. Hi, Jay. This is Kate Bowman with Women That Win. Hi, Jay. This is Kenny calling from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. Hi, Jay. This is Dan Caradano with SurfPet.com. Hi, Jay. This is Brian Walton. I am the director of e-marketing for Sandals.com and Beaches.com. Hey, Jay, this is Joseph Jaffe from Jaffe Juice. And hey, Jay, this is Walt Kalunda, a.k.a. Auction Wally. Hey, Jay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jeff Hershkowitz calling from New York. Hey, Jay, what's up? This is Sean Collins from Affiliate Summit. Hello, Jay, this is Corbin Links calling. Hey, everybody, this is Jason Calacanis, the founder of Mahalo.com, and you're very privileged and lucky to be listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing. Welcome to episode 21 of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. We have some great calls, a backlog of amazing interviews, so let's get to it. Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever this podcast finds you, thank you so much for joining us for episode number 27. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I've had a couple busy weeks developing the university course on internet marketing, and as soon as we can share some more details to our podcast with listeners, you will be absolutely the first to find out about this amazing course. We have some superstars of internet marketing lined up, providing great content on internet marketing. If you're new to the 10 Golden Rules podcast and you like what you hear, the first 26 shows are available for free at 10goldenrules.com. And if you really like what you hear, you may want to go over to iTunes. You can subscribe for free. You don't need an iPod to listen to iTunes. And you'll get virtually every episode automatically downloaded to your computer as we produce them each and every week. Now, if you're a regular and you've been listening to the show, thank you so much for your regular listenership. Once every month or two, we ask you for a small favor. If you like the show, please tell 10 friends about it and ask them to tell 10 friends or do us a very special favor. Take a couple minutes and go over to iTunes. Enter a short review about the show. We'd love it if you'd take the time to do that. We have some great events coming up in the next few weeks. I'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina for a client meeting this week. So if you're listening in the Charlotte area, drop me an email, j at 10goldenrules.com, and we'll grab a beer. Next week, September 10th to 12th, I'll be in Las Vegas, speaking at the Rocket Place Conference. It features several of the top eBay experts, showing us how to succeed in the world's largest auction market. You can visit rocketplace.com, enter 10 Golden Rules as your promo code for a $25 discount to the conference. The following week, I'll be racking up the frequent flyer miles. I'll be in Washington, D.C. to speak at the Inc. 500 conference, then back to Las Vegas for the weekend. September 19, 2021 is Blog World Expo. This is a major A-list blogging and podcasting show, and there's a number of speakers I'm totally looking forward to seeing and spending some time with. The diva, podcaster Toby Bloomberg, will be there, the real Tim Jones, the host of the Dishy Miss po 
Dishy Mix podcast. Susan Bratton will be in attendance and speaking. Social media guru Chris Brogan will be there. Blogging superstar Steve Rubell, who I haven't had the chance of meeting personally yet, will be there. Startup guru Guy Kawasaki will be there. Robert Scoble is on the agenda, and he's the ex-MSN video superstar. Our good friend Sean Collins from Affiliate Summit. And one of the new social media superstars, wine uh, celebrity Gary Vaynerchuk, will be in the show as well. So I'm looking forward to meeting all those folks, seeing their presentations. And we have a new presentation called How to Promote and Monetize Your Blog. October 5th, I'll be in the Big Apple. I'm speaking at Social Media 2008. This is a new show from our friends at Affiliate Summit. There's only 300 spots available for this one, so act quickly if you want to check out this new show. November 11th is Webmaster World's PubCon, also in Vegas. As always, links to all of these shows are right on the 10 Golden Rules homepage on the right-hand side. So just go to 10goldenrules.com and let me know if you're planning to be at one of these events. I'd love to meet you in person and definitely include you in one of the uh, dinners we're doing at most of these events, kind of getting together with some of the the speakers and the A-listers and doing private, intimate dinners, a lot better than the loud, crazy parties. So uh, get in touch. Each and every week, the best emails I get are from K7. K7 is an audio tool that we use for our audio audio community here on the 10 Golden Rules podcast. And I absolutely love to, to get these K7 emails. The way it works, it's a free service. It gives you a free phone number. And everyone who calls the number and leaves a message, K7 digitally records the message and turns it into an MP3 file. So when I get these K7 emails, it's normally from one of you, the 10 Golden Rules podcast listeners. The phone number for you to call to join our audio community is 206-888-6606. It's completely digital, so you can call any time of the day or night. And absolutely, this is the best part of the show for me. This is the most fun I have with the 10 Golden Rules podcast. And I was totally excited this week to get an audio call all the way from Ho Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, the city formerly known as Saigon. The audio is a little rough. It's coming from a long way away. So first up, let's hear from Kenny in Ho Chi Minh City. Hi, Jay. This is Kenny calling from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. Quick question. Currently, I'm in the long-term process of making my company's website more visible on the Internet and currently facing the challenge of having people get to register for white papers. Um, we're using Google Analytics, and Google Analytics is indicating to me that a large percentage reached the registration page. However, they seem to click on the back button, they leave the website, or just go somewhere else on the website, and just seem to be very reluctant to register. I'm trying to figure out a way to increase the percentage of reg- registrations, however, without trying to compromise the quality of the people registering. So I'm just thinking, what are some good ways to increase or improve the incentive for people to do so? Thank you. Hey, Kenny, thank you so much for calling all the way from Vietnam. There's a number of things you can do to try and increase the performance or the percentage of people who are going to give you their contact information and download your white papers. And let me cover all of those. First of all, just I'll mention, for those of you who don't have Google Analytics on your website, that Kenny mentioned he's using. I totally recommend it. It's free 
And all you have to do is drop a little line of code on every page on your site. You can find it just by Googling Google Analytics. And um, you just sign up for an analytics account or a Google AdWords account. If you already have an AdWords account, just get the software, the, the little line of code, and your webmaster can put it on every page on your site. Very, very easy for him to do. And what it's going to do, it's going to tell you who's coming to your site, where they're coming from. Well, not, not exactly who, but where everyone's coming from, what keyword they typed in to get to your site, what uh, sites are the top references. And it also tells you some, some path information on the website. So Kenny's been able to use it to find out how many people are getting to the uh, white paper download page and how many people are leaving that page without downloading the white paper and giving him contact information. So let's talk about some of the things you can do to improve the percentage of people who actually complete the information, download the white paper, and give you their contact information. So the first thing I'd recommend is some A-B testing. A-B testing is basically testing two different designs. Send half your traffic to your current design or your current page and create a new page and send half your traffic to this second design. So maybe on the second design you focus more on the user benefits. Focus on the content in the white paper. Who wrote it? What's included? Make it seem more valuable for people to download the white paper. Give them a clear perception of what it is they're getting. Uh, maybe you can even include a couple user testimonials on this new test page. People who described the white paper, what they liked about it, and what they got in the white paper. So the first thing I'd recommend is some A-B testing um, that's going to give you some information about the uh, about if you uh, you can create a new design that's going to perform better than your current design and performance is going to be defined by the percentage of people who download the white paper and give you their information. The second thing you can do, again a Google product, is called Optimizer. Again it's free and Google Optimizer is going to, is, is what's called, um, it, it's like an A-B testing tool but the B sample is going to randomly serve a number of variables that you're going to provide to Google Optimizer. So for example you could test a different headline, you could test a different graphical image, you could test different start buttons. You know you could have a download now, you could have a get free white paper now, you could have a fill out this information to get your free white paper and you can test different variations of the button, different words, different colors and all of these variables are going to be served randomly by Google Optimizer. At the end of a couple weeks or whenever it gets enough information you're going to have a pretty clear description which combination of buttons and images and headlines is the most effective landing page. So effectively this is like A-B testing but it's much more sophisticated you're testing A versus B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, G. I think you get it. Another thing you want to consider, it's really important to explain why you're asking for customer information. If you aren't making it very, very clear why you're asking people for the contact information, you might be able to say, hey, you know, the reason we're asking for your contact information is we're going to send you this really, really great e-newsletter. And then it's really important to let people see a past e-newsletter. So maybe they can click and pop open a window. Don't make them leave the page they're on, but let them pop open a window to view a past newsletter. And then they might choose, oh, you know, that's pretty valuable. I'd like to give you my information because not only am I going to get this great white paper, I'm also going to get your e-newsletter. And you're, you're, you want to make it really, really clear what it is that you're asking them for their information for. So, you know, if, if you are going to have a salesperson contact them, maybe give them a choice. You know, one box to click, please send me your free e-newsletter. E Another box to click that says, please have a salesperson contact me. So full disclosure on what you're going to do with the information is really going to help. Um, another thought, what information are you asking for? 
a lot of times we get to these forums and they're asking us for everything we've ever, uh, you know, everything, all of our information, our social security number, our home address, blah, blah, blah. You really want to test a strategy where you ask for the bare minimum of information and collect more information later as you need it. So, for example, if you ask for just the first name, last name, and email address, then later on use a contest or another incentive to collect additional information. So you're going to ask for the complete bare minimum information at the start. Later on, you're going to run a contest and collect email addresses, physical addresses, stuff like that. So the final thing I'll suggest is try asking for absolutely no information. You can make the white paper totally free. And then in the, you know, the printed white paper, the one they download as a PDF, you can include some offers or some additional information on the back page to say, hey, if you liked what you read, why don't you come back and sign up for our e-newsletter? Because we have tons more great information that comes out on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, however frequently you do your e-newsletter. And you guys know from listening to the show that we love e-newsletters. It's a great excuse to get someone to give you their contact information. You now have permission to send them emails on a regular basis. In, in addition, you're going to take the email articles, add them to your website, and those articles become great search engine spider food because the articles are going to be full of words and keyword phrases about your industry. So anyone who's interested in your white paper, there's a really high likelihood they'll come back to your site and request additional content from you. And so this is another approach to take. Kenny, I absolutely love the fact that you called from all the way around the world in Vietnam. I appreciate your call. Next up, let's get to Bill Alamon. Hello, Jay. Uh, my name is Bill Alamon. I help my wife with online marketing and, and management of our eBay store uh, and from a brick-and-mortar location called Jeans Boutique and Wigs. Our website is jeansboutiqueandwigs.com with jeans spelled J-E-A-N-S. Our store sells hair loss solutions for women and children, so that's wigs, hair pieces, head wraps, and such. I do have a question, but first I want to give you a quick thank you. I, I saw you at eBay Live Chicago this year, and you really opened our world to online marketing. We were looking to expand our marketing strategy both online and in print but we have a very very limited budget and uh, the folks that we've talked to as far as consultants and the fees that we've seen and even examples of end product we haven't been in, very impressed or satisfied so we've decided to try this on our own and uh, from listening to your 10 golden rules podcast or su subscribe to your blog where we follow the your suggested website resources we've purchased your online marketing workbook everything's working out really well. We're reading books from others, Seth, Seth Godin and others, um, but through that we're starting to update our website. Uh, we've, we've started a blog which is working out pretty well. We've opened up a Twitter account. We have a Facebook store page. And the result of that just in the last few months has been a 400% increase in traffic to our store. So our next step is to improve conversion and, and SEO of our, of our website. My question is regarding email marketing and newsletters. If a customer purchases an item from us, does that then give us permission to market directly to them in the future? Have, in other words, have they opted in to our newsletter, or do they, or does that customer have to actually physically opt in? You know, send us their email address and, and what have you in order to to allow us to market to them. I was talking to an eBay live vendor, and his answer was according to the Federal Trade Commission's can spam law the purchase itself opens a relationship and then allows the seller to communicate with the customer 
in the future. And I just wanted to make sure not only that we're not breaking any laws by taking emails from past customers and sending information to them, but also we want to keep our customers. So I don't want a first-time buyer to get turned off by then receiving uh, information from us and thinking that, okay, now they're going to get you know spammed. So uh, looking forward to your, to your answer. Again, thanks for all your help. Uh, we listen to a number of podcasts regarding social media and online marketing. And to be honest, yours is the most focused and value-added. Uh, love the structure, whereas others I have to listen to an hour's worth of commentary in order to pick out what I need and what's value-added to us. Yours is outstanding. So thanks again, and uh, talk to you in the future. Bill, thank you so much for your kind words. It's totally awesome to hear that your website traffic is up 400%. That's so great. Um, if anyone would like to preview the 10 Golden Rules of Online Marketing Workbook that Bill mentioned, we have an excerpt, a free excerpt that you can read. It's the introduction and the first paragraph of the book. Go to 10goldenrules.com slash order dash book. That's 10 Golden Rules spelled T-E-N. 10goldenrules.com forward slash order dash book. And when we get the show notes up, we'll have all the links in the show notes. Bill, everything you're doing is 100% can spam compliant. You can email customers. It's um, totally legal and totally legitimate. Anytime you've had a business relationship with anyone, you can definitely email them. Now, you, if you are starting to build a database, which is totally recommended for everyone, you want to start getting a little bit of information about can spam compliance. Just search can spam, C-A-N-S-P-A-M, at F and, and find the ftc.gov site and it outlines all the rules for what you can and cannot do for email. Here's some of the headlines from the can spam site. Your email must be accurate. You've got to identify the person who initiated the email with a from and a to, including the originating domain name and the email address. You can't have deceptive subject lines. You must include an opt-out method on your email, so an unsubscribe link at the bottom of your email. You have to identify the email as commercial email, as an advertisement, um, and include a valid physical postal address. Very important just to you know, tell people you're a real company and be legitimate. And um, the most important part I would say overall, and, and this isn't in can, can spam, this is like from the 10 golden rules, is to respect your customers and, and your prospects. Like Send them great, great content. Make sure all the articles are you know, really valuable, value-added, intelligent, and give them information that they want to receive about your industry. Uh, the guideline I always say is make sure the articles are so great that someone would want to forward them to someone else who's also in the industry. So you not only get, you know, the person reading it and continuing to subscribe to your newsletter, they want to open it, but they even forward it to a friend and give you um, the best kind of word of mouth recommendations that you can get. Okay, my name is Carrie Jeffrey. I saw you at eBay Live presenting yesterday, and just have to tell you how absolutely phenomenal that it was, and everybody was raving. I have to say that in the hour to an hour and 15 minutes that you presented, I got more usable, meaty content than I have when I've attended seminars that cost 400 or thousands of dollars, and I hear four people or five people, and it's pitch fest after pitch fest after pitch fest. Your stuff was meatier and more wonderful and more actionable than any of that. Anyway, the other thing is that I have some questions about, I'm getting started in the podcasting world, and I wanted to ask about some of the equipment used and how to get started with something that is simple, it's easy, 
and also affordable so that when you're, when you're starting out, it makes it a, a simple process to get started. Other than that, thank you very much. I really deeply appreciate your presentation that you did at eBay Live this week. Thanks. Karen, you're welcome. Thank you so much for your kind words. I, and I'd love to get you to help get you started podcasting. So let me give you a few tips. The first one is I did a podcast. It's our show number 13, episode number 13. And I recorded a presentation that I gave at PodCamp Boston called 10 Golden Rules to Launching and Promoting a New Podcast. We covered everything about equipment and how to find your message, where to get the music for your podcast, hardware, software, just basically everything you need. Um, plus, I made the slides from the presentation free to download on our site. So just go to 10goldenrules.com, click on the podcast link at the top of the site, and go to show 13, and on the show notes page, you can download the slides to go with the audio. Basically, it's pretty inexpensive to get started. You just need a simple microphone, and you know some computers even come with a microphone, but I'd recommend at least getting a basic $40, $50, $60 microphone with a USB connection. That's the little rectangular connection that plugs into your computer. Seems to give you better overall audio quality. And you'll need a little bit of audio software. There is free audio software, but um, I recommend Cast Blaster. C-A-S-T-B-L-A-S-T-E-R. And it's what I use and a number of the other podcasters use. It only cost $49 um, when I bought it. It's probably around the same price. And it's basically point and click. It's really easy to use. I just click on the audio segments. I click on the music and I click on talk when I want to turn the mic on. It's just very, very easy. And um, if you want to check it out, go to castblaster.com. There's a video demo on there and it shows you how easy it is to use. And if you do buy it, you can download the free trial of Cast Blaster, but definitely watch the video to figure out how to set up your computer and whatnot and how to use the software. But it's about a 15 to 20 minute investment and you can be podcasting. Finally, you'll need a simple solution to host the podcast. Um, we host the shows on our own server, but there's a number of free and low cost podcast hosting services. We cover that in the presentation um, and it's relatively easy to do. The second recommendation I'd give you is to buy a book called How to Do Everything with Podcasting. It was written by Shell Holtz and Neville Hobson. And these guys also do the Four Immediate Release podcast. It's a great PR and new media podcast that I listen to about once a week. The guys do it religiously every twice a week on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Uh, another book I can recommend is called Podcasting 101 by Jason Van Orden. It's a great starter, but it is out of print and hard to find. Jason co-hosts a podcasting podcast called Podcast Underground. And the best way to find podcasts, I think, is to go to iTunes and go to the iTunes store and search, you know, Jason Van Orden podcast or podcast underground. And one final recommendation, the amazing Cliff Ravenscraft produces 14 podcasts a week. I don't know how he does it. He's doing this full time now. And one of his podcasts is called Podcast Answer Man. And it's basically a podcast for beginners. And he also sells podcast rigs all the equipment you need to get started podcasting. And, and this is for, you know, if, you, if you're a company and you want a little bit better microphone, like he basically sells the same setup I have with, with a, um, uh, we've got a pretty fancy mic now and whatnot. So you can find Cliff Ravenscraft on iTunes or go to gspn.tv, gspn.tv, Cliff Ravenscraft. Next up, let's hear from Corbin Links.
Hello, Jay. This is Corbin Lynx calling from LynxBusinessGroup.com and MobileBusinessOwners.com. First of all, just love your podcast. It's one of the trifecta that I call it, the podcast I listen to. And I just really get a lot of value for it from it. And I'm, I'm just always amazed every week whenever you issue a new episode, just how much you put on there. My comment today specifically is about GoToMeeting, and you were asking uh, a couple of episodes back about if you had listeners out there that were using it. And our company has used it quite extensively now for the past two years. We've used both their GoToMeeting feature extensively and more recent times started to use their GoToWebinar feature. I would echo your comment in terms of reliability. Uh, we found them to be excellent. We've delivered them to people in terms of numbers as low as two and up on into the hundred, even doing some multi-hundred user screen sharing sessions with it and just found it to be great. But there are a couple of things I did want to share with the listeners and presumably your listenership that has other business representation. One of the big limitations of that particular tool, unfortunately, is that it had a predominantly, in fact, a, a sole Windows focus for a good long time now. I did see recently that they were starting to branch out into the Mac, and uh, they were going to be offering Mac host-based features. Uh, they've had client-based features, I guess, in beta for a while, but I saw that they were going to start offering Mac host-based features. And my question to you and to your user community at large is, has anybody used that? I mean, specifically, has anybody tried hosting very large webinars, uh, and I mean webinars with hundreds and hundreds of attendees, and hosted that from a Mac OS X platform? I'd be really interested in getting any feedback from that. The second thing I wanted to mention is there are some alternatives out there. I think certainly the WebEx being number one. But also, I would mention Yukma, Y-U-G-M-A.com. And no, I'm in no way affiliated with that company whatsoever. But our company has to use it recently because we have found that the business reality today is that a lot of companies are getting broader coverage into Mac, OS X, and Linux, and other types of desktop environments. So this allows larger numbers of uh, our clients to participate. So anyway, I appreciate, again, your show. I uh, look forward to hearing your comments and the comments of your listeners on this topic, and keep up all the great work and content. Take care. Thanks, Jay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Corbin. The Mac feature is definitely up and running on GoToMeeting. Susan recently blogged about it on the 10 Golden Rules blog. I'd love to hear from other people who've used GoToMeeting in the community. Um, you know, GoToMeeting's been kind enough to sponsor our show, and if you want to get a free trial, a 45-day free trial, uh, the way it works is you send out people a code and they click on the, that, that code. It comes to a website and they can see your computer screen while you're doing a meeting. And there's also a free line for them to call, an audio line, a conference call line. So just go to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, use the promo code GOLDEN, G-O-L-D-E-N, and you'll get 45-day free trial. I think there's some 30-day trials out there but you can get a 45-day trial with the code GOLDEN. Uh, and anyone out there who is a GoToMeeting go user, I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to hear what you think, because we're, we're trying to make this sort of an interactive uh, sponsorship, and our call-in line, of course, 206-888-6606. Hi, Jay. How are you? It's Mark Mitchell from New Jersey, www.designdeluxe.com. I was calling in response to Ben's comment on the... Beavercast. Ben was discussing 
how he saw a screenshot of a Google keyword tool with uh, search volume numbers. And it is something that I've noticed in the last, I'd say, 14 days, although interestingly I have not seen a lot about it in the blogosphere. But Google has indeed added actual search numbers to the default columns of the keyword tool. So if you go to adwords.google.com, the keyword tool, you'll get actual search volume data, real numbers. I haven't tested much of them yet as far as their accuracy. There are a few things that are kind of odd, like even numbers. There's a lot of like 1,000s, 2,000s, things of that nature, which are a little bit interesting. There's also a lot of scenarios where the column that says average search volume matches the approximate search volume for the current month almost identically, which I also find to be a little bit strange. So I don't have a lot of clarity on it, but indeed Google seems to be releasing actual numbers. So anyhow, thought I'd give you the update. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. It sounds wonderful. And as always, we are enjoying the podcast. Again, this is Mark Mitchell from New Jersey, www.designdelux.com. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Hey, Mark, thanks for uh, getting back to us. That, that was great. And it, those of you who listened to the last show, uh, episode 26, I actually recorded it on a beaver dam. And if you haven't seen what a beaver dam looks like, there's a picture that comes when you download the show on iTunes. And it's a, my dad took the picture from our family's boat, and I was actually sitting up on a beaver dam. So it's basically like a bunch of logs that the beavers... Um, they they kind of cake them together with mud and, and stuff like that. And Beaver Dam is the beaver house where the beavers live. So I was sitting up on the Beaver Dam. Um, thanks for getting back to us, Mark. And I've definitely now seen the Google tool. And um, it's great because Google's now giving you a lot of Google keyword use information. How many times people are searching keyword phrases. And this tool, there used to be a Yahoo uh, Overture tool. And that's no longer updated. That's been out of date since January of 07. So it's great. There's a nice free tool that can give you a lot of keyword tracking information. Um, if anyone can hear, that's Tyler, my dog, in the background. The, the keyword information, um, can, you can also get it from, we use a tool called Word Tracker and another tool called Keyword Discovery. You can find out how many times people are searching different phrases. The next section is called the Blog or Podcast of the Week. And this week, I'd like to share the blog of a friend of mine. I've been reading it for a couple years now, and you've heard this expert on the show before. So the blog or podcast of the week is... Matt Cutts Blog. Matt is the chief search engine spam cop at Google. He's also the face of the company at many of the major search engine shows. And we interviewed him probably back on around show 19 or 20, and... He broke some news today on his blog about Google's new browser. That's right. Google is really taking a head-on shot at Inter Internet Explorer, at MSN, with a browser. It's called Google Chrome. And this is one of the areas that um, Microsoft's definitely been uh, attacked on a couple fronts because a lot of us, I'm, I'm using the Firefox browser because of all the add-ons you can, you can put on it. So everyone's going to want to check out Google, Google Chrome. It launches Tuesday, September 1st. So if you're listening to the show as it comes out, this may be big news this week. And um, if you're listening to this show in 2009, we may all be using Google Chrome as our browser. 
So back to Matt Cutt's blog. Um, Matt has a huge following. He covers a lot of the core questions about Google from a business perspective, particularly covering search engine optimization. And this is his personal blog, so he definitely, you know, keeps to the company line at Google. But he, because it's his personal blog, he's incredibly candid about what works and what doesn't work, and he's often cited as the absolute word on many search engine policies and best practices. You can find it at mattcuts.com. That's M-A-T-T. C-U-T-T-S dot com. As I mentioned off the top of the show, my M-Audio Microtrack recorder has been much busier than my Cast Blaster. So I have about six shows of amazing audio lined up for the next few weeks. Uh, listen for upcoming interviews with Andy Cernovitz on Word of Mouth Marketing, Jeff Ramsey from eMarketer. He's the absolute master of all web statistics, and we had a great dinner with Jeff, and uh, the M-Audio was running. So for this show, I wanted to get two really smart people I sat down with at the recent SIPA conference in Washington, D.C. Josh Mack runs the digital portion of the Harvard Business Review, and they're doing some really neat stuff online, including interactive case studies. Shashi Belamkonda is the social media swami at Network Solutions. I met him through Twitter, and we connected while I was in town in Washington. We had a great dinner with a bunch of other folks following my presentation at SIPA, the Specialized Information Publishers Association. Shashi was Twittering, quicking, flipping, and blogging while we sat at dinner. So he's incredibly active online. He's a really interesting guy. So first, let's get to Josh Mack from Harvard Business Review. I'm here at SIPA with Josh Mock, and Josh was the opening keynote speaker this morning and had a couple great thoughts and comments, and he agreed to sit down with us. So welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me. First, you had a great quote from Ford, and I thought that kicked the day off really nicely. That's just that uh, Henry Ford's famous for saying when he was starting out, if he had asked his customers what they were looking for, they would have said a faster horse. And it wasn't exactly what he was intending to build, and he had to really find something new as a breakthrough product. What do you think the example is today with the Internet? Because you talked a lot about one of my pet peeves. A lot of people on the Internet say, oh, we tried that and it didn't work, or they might have tried Google AdWords in like 2002. Do you think that's a similar case today? Yeah, I think there's some of that. I think originally we were selling advertising online, especially in a very in a way that really replicated what we had seen in the real in, in the uh, physical world with magazines and newspapers and that probably was a, you know a version of the faster horse where we started to move towards was targeted advertising that AdSense began but in many ways we're only beginning to see really where the promise of that takes us Josh works at the Harvard Business Review and you run the interactive division run Harvard Business Digital, and it's part of Harvard Business Publishing. Part of what Harvard Business Digital does is run Harvard Business Review online, as well as sell a variety of products, case studies, books, e-learning products, through the web. You talked today about an interactive case. You didn't get into details, but it sounded fascinating, so I'd love to hear more about how you did it and how it worked. Well, very early on um, with HBR, it was clear that from many years back, people had tried a lot of different things to get people to interact online. And there was some feeling that that was more difficult uh, for the certain audience that we cater to. What we tried was we took the HBR case study and we took it down to about 600 words and we created the interactive case, which has a sponsor, and it asked people to essentially crack the case. Can they tell us what their answers are? 
And what we found was we had uh, on the first one over 200 people. That's uh, great. That's really awesome. It was great. It was really surprising to us. They were senior level folks, uh, some CEOs. And it really helped us to prove the case early on that, wait a second, maybe this crowd does want to interact with us, and maybe things have changed since the early days of the Internet. That's awesome. I'm going to be quoting that. One of the other things that I like from your presentation, you said, lower the cost to failure and you can fail often. You want to expand on that for our folks? I think that um, there are a lot of tools like blogging software and many other things that the fact is they're not a lot to get up and going and really start to test ideas that maybe you have even yourself have had resistance to or thought, hmm, does that really work for my publication? It's not so much about the technological barriers and the cost, because uh, really there isn't that much cost just to start to experiment. A lot of it is either the mindset or the publication's frame of a reference for doing these things. And so if you, just, if you set that standard of, hey, we're going to make it easy... Uh, to do some things because we want to learn and you, you're, you know, like they say in skating, you're only learning when you're falling. That was sort of the point of it. What are some of the things that are really working over at Harvard? We've grown from just a handful to more than 20 contributors on a regular basis. We really are starting to hone our mission around useful information for up-and-coming leaders and, and established leaders as well. And I think we're seeing that the audience wants to interact with us. They want to use the tools that we can offer. They want to share in the production of, of the site. And uh, what we're finding is we're really growing the traffic and we're growing that loyal audience around a range of things. Now, some things will fall away, but many of the elements, whether it's the blogs or the tools or the video or our idea cast, our similar podcast, have shown real promise. You said in your presentation that you can sell content. So what's free and what do people have to pay for? There's still a tremendous amount on our site that is uh, paid for. We were born out of an e-commerce site. We sell uh, the reprints from HBR. We sell books. We sell uh, bundles of books and articles, e-learning products. But more and more, we're also offering daily contributions to the site that are free to anyone from a range of contributors. We're also offering things like the management tip of the day. And the management tip of the day is something you can sign up for. We take it from, it's usually around 200 words, around leadership skills, innovation, and it's something really succinct that can help you with your day right now, but born out of our established products. That's a really great example. In our 10 golden rules, rule number three is create a UVP or a unique value proposition, something free on the website that's going to get people to sign up. The management tip of the day works like that, and it gets people... It's like something they could dip their toe in the water. That's exactly it. And I think, and we've got other similar ideas and products coming out along those lines where you really can get something. Um, it's not just a way to you know, solely upsell a product. I think that's a trap sometimes people fall into. You have to really give away something there of value so that people do have a reason to come back to you. That's great. One last question, and this is something I ask everyone on the podcast. Are there any technologies... Are there any websites that you're using personally to improve your work productivity or, or things you're just using for fun and efficiency online? It's a good question. There's certainly a range of emerging products that I, I find fascinating on the web. Doppler is one, for example, that a website where all of a sudden you can put in your itinerary for the trips you're going to take and 
your friends who are in there who do the same thing will map up. It'll it'll give you not only an idea of your who your colleagues are who are going to be in similar places, but tips on where to eat, what where to go. And I think those things that are connected to social media, social networks, are really interesting, useful applications that, again, are probably going to lead the way to more of the uh, marketing, of, of avenues for marketing that we can't really quite see today. But there are a range of things like that that I think are just beginning to explode and have real application for folks who are doing business every day. In any blogs or podcasts, uh, what do you use for your information sources? Increasingly, I get the information that uh, I need for, out of my BlackBerry, which surprises me. The Wall Street Journal, I now pretty much read exclusively online. I, I read our own publications, of course, the, the Economist. But oftentimes, I'll find myself looking for a, a quick hit or, or a redacted version of it online so as just to be able to tell if it's really something I want to dive into. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, thanks, Josh. I just signed up for the Harvard Business Review tip of the day. And as I mentioned earlier, they asked for the minimum amount of information, first name, last name, and email. And I didn't mention why you do it that way. You do it that way so that you can address emails personally to people. So you can say, Dear Jay, here's your daily tip of the day. And you'll often see that on customized emails. They come with your first name um, in, in a Dear Jay manner. And then later on, you could send physical mail with Jay Berkowitz by getting my first name and last name. Um, so they got the barest minimum of information, and I didn't think twice about signing up to get the management tip of the day. I look forward to seeing what it's like. So thank you very much to Josh. Next up, let's hear from an absolute uh, social media hands-on superstar, Shashi Belamkonda. I'm here with Shashi Belam Konda. Pretty good? Yeah, that's pretty good. Hey, Jay, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. And Shashi has one of the best titles ever for this podcast. He is the... Social Media Swami for Network Solutions. Social Media Swami. And Network Solutions, for those of you who don't know, was the original registrar, really, right? Yeah, it is. And We're... now we believe in like small business solutions that include an online uh, website or e-commerce uh, security certificates, anything that a small business wants to become successful online, we try to provide those products for customers. So what does a social media swami do? I mean, it's an interesting story. Like, uh, when I started campaigning within the company that we need to create a position that deals with the social media strategy, I decided one of the first things to be is experiment with social media in network solutions. So I had a contest where everybody got to give me my title. So I had about 34 uh, titles that, uh, and Social Media Swami won from them. So in my mind, uh, Social Media Swami is kind of, I get paid by Network Solutions, but I am employed by the customers. That's the meaning that I get from it. And what are some of the things you've done to interact with customers? You know, I'm uh, very active in the social media. I, I strongly believe along with get a good backing from the management at Network Solutions is to establish a presence in all the social media tools so people, customers can reach out and say, give me feedback or also reach out and ask questions. Um, I get uh, people, if they want to reach out to Network Solutions on Twitter, I mean, I monitor the brand terms there and always reply to somebody who mentioned Network Solutions and say this. But our ultimate goal is as more and more people move into blogging, into Facebook, 
Twitter, LinkedIn or anything like that. We'll be there wherever they want to reach out to us. So it's more about them. I call it the listening post. So we are not broadcasting any messages. We are just listening. So everything is incoming versus everything being outgoing. That's interesting. I often ask people how they use Twitter. If people aren't familiar, Twitter is it's called microblogging. You're allowed 140 characters to put a little note out to people who follow you. And it works like instant messaging. But I often ask people, how do you use Twitter? Do you use it more incoming or outgoing? Yeah, in my case, like uh, there are two things. Uh, I think well, my you, you use Twitter personally and for business, right? Exactly. So I was on Twitter on my personal capacity, so I built up a lot of uh, friendships and community around uh, just uh, by my interests and sharing interests. So it was very interesting when I became uh, the social media swami at Network Solutions. I told everybody, hey, you know what? I managed to convince the company to move into social media. So I got a lot of support from the community. That helps a lot, uh, not only to me, but also to the company because we already have a following and they know that this is not a guy who's going to turn around and give them a marketing pitch every two seconds. So uh, I think that's a big advantage of having a personal brand and then moving into a position where you're doing uh, social media. And one of the things that I do off and on is use tools to monitor the brand so I can reach out to people, whether it's a blogger who has a who has something good to say about a product or uh, it's on Twitter where there is a summary that I use a tool to track uh, the brand network solution. So if you mention network solution, chances are I'm going to reach out to, and, to you and see if I can help. So what are some of the other social media tools that you're fond of these days and how to use them? And You had your quick out tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no end to where the instant uh, gratification as far as publishing is concerned. Blogs, I think the main thing about blogs are they were so simple to use. Anybody could just uh, type in words and click publish. The same way, like you said, uh, QIK.com is publishing video instantly. And who knows where this is all going to go. I mean, there are cases where uh, people have uh, new stories have developed just based on... Uh, Having Quick. I mean, one of my friends from NPR always says that if Tibet people had the N95 and Quick, you could actually see what is happening in these places which are so remote. Well, that's why you were so alert. There's about six or seven police cars. We're in a restaurant in Washington, D.C., and there's six or seven police cars outside. Shashi's ready with his Quick for a celebrity or someone to come out. <laughs> and you'll be broadcasting uh, you know, some celebrity or some politician, right? Social media is the, the complete openness for business. So that, that's interesting that it's open for a restaurant. You can post it on Yelp and everyone knows, right? Right. And uh, no matter, even if the restaurant says no Yelpers uh, here, still the Yelpers actually go there and take a picture of the sign that says no Yelpers. But um, I think uh, what is more important in the social media is uh, that people are absolutely right in believing the judgment of uh, strangers. It's uh, people are posting things, people are writing reviews. All of them are in good faith to say, hey, this was my experience with the product and I want to share it with you. Which is kind of the way the culture was a couple of decades ago where you could just ask your neighbor or go to a shop and ask somebody else, like, hey, what did you think of this? So I think this is breaking down the barriers that were there, except these are not people... What's old is new again? or Old is new again. I mean, uh, instead of believing just people who you went to high school with, you're, you're connecting with people on uh, tools like Twitter and asking them, what do you think of uh, asking them their opinion about some vital issues in your life too? 
huge companies used to introduce software and put a price on it. Uh, now it looks like every second person coming out of technical school has dreams of starting his own company, starts software, gives it out for people to test for free. And once he realizes what people use it for, that's when it seems to be adding value. I think that's a... It's amazing how much really great stuff is free now. You know, we put analytics on all of our clients' websites. Uh, there's just SEOs free. So many of these great products you're talking about. Utters free. Free conference calls free. What else? I think the, the, the sticky Bloggers free. The blog spot, blogger is free. I think uh, if you look at Google very closely, they strongly believe having the people's data is what, the, is what is value, not the money they pay every month for a service. So once you have a data, it's very difficult for you to move from one place. I mean, look at all the photographs that you upload on a, like for example, Flickr. Once you start uploading photographs on Flickr, which is a Yahoo property, you don't want to move from there simply because you're so used to it, you start sending out links to that. Yeah, who's going to move a thousand photos? You'd have to be really upset with Flickr, right? Yeah, to move that. And uh, we did mention Twitter. I don't know if you people are on Twitter. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, today I wanted to know about uh, what people are using for um, uh, requirements documents in companies. So I just uh, put out a question saying, hey, any recommendations for requirement documents? And uh, the surprising thing is people actually stop doing what they're doing to help you out and answer that question because that's like uh, their time is premium, but still they're willing to help you out and say, here's what I recommend. It's almost like an instant focus group. I'm sure the founders of Twitter never imagined that people would use it in this fashion. They just thought people would just say, hey, I'm at the airport. and uh, I want breaking news, new products, technology, links to new articles. Uh, I think uh, as far as breaking news is concerned, there have been a lot of examples over how Twitter broke some news first, especially about the earthquake. I think it could, be, it could lead to something more of an enterprise, forms a part of everybody's life where... You want to get news very easily, maybe that's the tool to use. What are some of the case studies of business uses of Twitter that you've heard of? And one example that I remember is British Telecom, the CEO of British Telecom. The Business Week reporter tried to reach him through the PR department and didn't get an answer for two, three days. He just Twittered him and uh, he got an answer back within six, uh, six uh, hours. And they Amazing. Were well, Shashi, this has been great. I'm going to turn off the mic so we can focus on the real dinner, but... Thank you so much, and thanks again for coming into D.C. Uh, thank you, Jay, and uh, it was very nice to meet you in person after being Twitter friends for some time. Well, thanks to Josh and Shashi for taking the time when I was up in Washington, and I'm going to be there again this week, and Shashi, I hope we can get together. So uh, this bring, uh, brings us to the last section of the show. And here I relive my glory days as a DJ at my college radio station, CKUW. But before we get to the song of the week, I'd like to invite everyone to call in comments and questions. And if anyone has read the 10 Golden Rules of Online Marketing Workbook, I'd love you to call in a book review. Our audio line is 206-888-6606. And as I mentioned earlier, this is a digital answering service, so you can call it any time of the day or night. You don't have to worry. It doesn't ring anywhere. It just records your message as an MP3 and emails it to me. Or you can email audio comments, questions, callouts to j at 10goldenrules.com. That's j-a-y at t-e-n 
goldenrules.com. I welcome any contributions, thoughts to the show. How about you want to try your hands at podcasting? Why don't you develop a segment for the show and send it to me, and we'll give it a test run and see what everyone thinks. So let's end with the song of the week. This is a favorite of my pal Mitch Joel of the Six Pixels of Separation podcast. You heard Mitch off the top of the show. His very good friend, David Usher, has sold millions of recordings as the leader of the band Moist. He's now on his own. He's very active in social media with a blog, and he's recording stuff and making it available on his blog and Twitter and letting people give him feedback You know, when he records a, a, a track in his, his kitchen. He's very interactive. This song is called The Music. It's got a great orchestral start. David's got a killer voice. So enjoy David Usher and have an absolutely great week, everybody.
Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call-in line 206-888-6606. Okay, here's a test. Do you listen to the end of the show? If you do, the first person to email me, jay at 10goldenrules.com, I'll send you a free copy of the 10 Golden Rules of Online Marketing Workbook. That's jay at 10goldenrules.com. Cheers, everyone. Have a great week. This podcast is produced with Cast Blaster.